Welcome on in to the Trevor Bauer Social Media Analysis Podcast, where we'll spend the next hour reading Trevor Bauer's tweets. Just kidding, it's the Selby is Godcast alongside TJ Zuppi. I'm Zach Meisel. We are live at Tribe Fest as a choo-choo train driven by Indians employee Jeremy Fedor goes by us. What's going on, TJ? So we're not going to read from his Twitter? So I can put these, this printout that you gave me away, that you laminated. And how many pages is it? <laughs> it is 69 pages. Perfect. Uh, we're not going to talk about that. 420 no, characters per tweet. We don't, we don't want to talk about that. I think enough people have done that for us. But there's plenty to talk about. This is kind of the unofficial... This is, this is the weekend where my brain flips a little bit. I don't know about you, but it's like, you know, it's the holidays. I'm not really thinking about work. The baseball hot stove has been non-existent. So this weekend, though, kind of turns it up a notch. And now it's like, oh, crap, there's only a month till spring training starts. So uh, we're getting going, even though it seems like the front office still has quite a bit to do. Yeah, well, now you can start looking ahead to actual previews and think about how an outfield would come together, how a bullpen would come together. Except for in their position, I find it really difficult to do any of that stuff because – the roster could still look drastically different uh, come beginning of spring training, come opening day, and maybe even as the season progresses, as some of the warts really emerge and you see what they truly need. But this is the, the point when everyone should have the itch, right? You should be looking ahead to spring training. You probably players, go to CVS or Walgreens or something. In their position, they can probably take care of that easier than others. But... It is weird because we're, as we're sitting here today, recording this on, on Saturday at Tribe Fest, there are still so many uh, things to be settled, not just here with the Indians, but across the whole landscape of baseball. It, it's funny, you know, they have like everyone on the roster at Tribe Fest and you look around and you see Corey Kluber throwing to little kids on a field and then you see Francisco Lindor doing an interview and Clevenger and Bauer playing pranks on each other and Jose Ramirez walking around and... and it's like, man, that's a lot of star power. And then you see everybody else who's here. Like, there's no in-between. You're either a legit all-star on this roster or you're like, who the hell are you? And I think that just kind of speaks to the issues here I mean, with yeah, the roster. Just walking into the clubhouse yesterday and to pull back the curtain a little bit for how this works for us, Tribe Fest takes place on Saturday. All the players come in on Friday. And to keep us from tagging along and trying to get quotes from players while they're signing autographs and and having fun with the fans, they give us some time, carve out some time on the day before, Friday, and we're able to go into the clubhouse and talk to a few guys. Again, it's only an hour, so you're not going to probably break any new ground with a lot of of players, but it's just kind of an opportunity to get the blood flowing again, to think a a little bit about the upcoming season and kind of start to get a handle on how the roster is going to come together. And as you walked into the clubhouse yesterday, what's the first thing you noticed? I went over to the corner, and Corey Kluber's nameplate is still there, obviously. He's in his locker. The three to his left were all empty. The two lockers to his right were all empty. Now, that used to be Gomes, Chisenhall, Tomlin, Miller, Brandon Geyer was over there. All gone. No love for Melky Cabrera? Melky Cabrera. Was he over there, too? He was. Okay. But I think Tyler Olson was in between them, and Olson was still there. But anyway, you had a, this string of six lockers. The only name left is Kluber. He's the guy we talked about the most this offseason as potentially not being here. 
and it's just you know it, it's it's weird Brantley's stuff is gone and uh you know you look around the clubhouse and it's like there's gonna be a lot of we had a few players tell us like it's gonna be different there's a lot of new faces there are a lot of faces that are familiar but are going to you're gonna see them every day the Greg Allens the Tyler Naquins the some of those relievers like John Edwards and uh, even like Adam Simber. I mean, some of these guys, it just speaks to, at this point, no matter what they do, they're going to need contributions from people. Like, they need people to reach their ceilings. They need people to hit their potential uh, for them to get to where they need to go. It's, it's also weird because as you're looking at the players that they're going to be counting on, there, there are a number of guys where I can, I can see scenarios where – they, they blossom into being more than what you thought they could. The problem is for a team in the Indians' position, you hate to be counting on a lot of that. You need mm-hmm. some of that. I mean, you, you, have to, you have to luck into some. And, and to the Indians, to the front office's credit, they've been able to do that in the past. They find diamonds in the rough that no one was expecting to contribute, and they did. But they also went into the season last year kind of believing that they could create that in the bullpen – specifically maybe some in the outfield and especially with the bullpen it came back to bite him big time cost him their number one prospect to go fix that problem in season and it's something that plagued them even into the playoffs now part of that's because Cody Allen and Andrew Miller didn't pitch like we've seen them pitch for for years now but it's a dangerous precarious situation where you're counting on guys to to emerge and fill that role to be that significant on your roster it's not to say that it can't happen but it is to say that it is very, very risky. The good news is you have the star power that you've ran down the list for, and you still have a tremendous starting rotation, and you can make the case it's still the best in the American League. And I have a strong belief that Shane Bieber is going to take the, the step that we've seen Clevenger take the past few years to grow into being someone that doesn't resemble a number five, but is going to be a number five in this rotation and is going to round out a really, really tremendous group. And you still have the guys that, at the tops of the, the war leaderboard and all that's fine but it's just a it's very similar it feels very similar to last year and in some situations I think that they might be worse off than last year and, and and counting on some some things to happen that again are really really risky it's tough because we spend all of our time in the offseason comparing to last year and it's like we don't think like don't you have to assume Jake Bowers will be better than he was last season in Tampa in his first year? Well, the question is, is he the guy that burst onto the scene and was tremendous in the first month and some change, or was he the guy that really struggled after the All-Star break? And he's a guy that uh, met up with or got connected with Craig Wallenbrock, who is a a hitting coach that has worked with J.D. Martinez and a number of the guys that you've kind of seen, the launch angle revolution and guys that have changed their hitting profile. He's working with Craig this offseason, and he's kind of had his eyes opened up. He's someone that I... I, I would consider kind of what we were talking about, guys that could jump off the page and be more than what you thought they could be. Yeah. But still, you don't want to count too, on course, too many of those of situations. Course, of course, but And th- there's a lot of that right now. Yeah. I just – we spend a lot of time comparing to what people did last season, and there's regression, there's progression, there's – guys have different seasons. Like, we're all assuming uh, it's going to be Lindor Ramirez and then the rest of the lineup's a question mark. And it's like, you know, what if Lindor Ramirez – those guys have exceeded our expectations every year. What if they don't? What if they do it again? You know what I mean? Like, everyone is, 
is different. And it's easy to, it's easy to do two things. One, it's easy to get caught up this time of year and just assuming, you know what, this could actually work. And I think it's easy to have rose colored glasses right now. I also think it's easy to just say, well, this guy wasn't good last year, so they need to, they need to improve and, and find someone else to do that role. And they didn't. So it's going to fail again. And it's like, I'm looking at this baseball field right now. You've got Dan Otero, Cody Anderson, and John Edwards playing with some little kids. And it's like, Otero should be better than he was last year, right? I think odds are he will be. Cody Anderson was not here last year. You hope you can get something from him. John Edwards, they really like. I mean, there, there are a lot of parts of this roster that have promise. I just, I, and saying all this, I agree with you. They need more sure things. We've been preaching this all winter. But there are, I do think people are ignoring or overlooking some of the parts of the roster that could surprise well you've been all over the luplo train since that trade went down essentially just because you talked to him on the phone <laughs> that's how that works by the way for those that don't know if you have a good pleasant interview first pleasant experience then you're yeah. like yeah that guy's probably gonna be pretty well, I mean, good happening was... with jake bowers you know you have an engaging interview and you're like ah this guy's gonna be great he was the pirates minor league player of the year in 2017 his triple a numbers are awesome and he's gotten a little taste of the big leagues not much but who's to say that he can't Hit big league pitching. We don't know that yet. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I... I, The thing that plays against him is he's a little bit older. But you do. You look at the numbers and you you say, okay, he got it done in the minor leagues. What's been the disconnect so far at the major league level? You you question how a new situation could help a guy like that. In in the Pirates situation, minor league player of the year, bigger expectations on that guy. You go to a new organization, you almost have zero expectations. Not a single fan here at Tribe Fest. And outside of maybe some of his family that popped in, expects him to do anything this year, where right. it was completely different last year with the Pirates. People had expectations for him to come up and at least contribute somewhat. So it makes for – it can be fun to talk about. It can be maddening to talk about. It can be unpleasant to talk about. There's a number of different ways it could go. It's just – I hate to keep harping on it. But when you're trying to win a championship, you don't want to count on too much. Of Minimize that. the risk. And yeah. it, 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 it just, to me today, still feels like there's too much risk for me to, for sure. to, to want to say that this team's on the same level as the three other big boys in the American League. I agree 100%. I also think sometimes we act like the 2018 Indians were the standard when that team couldn't get out of its own way. It never clicked. They won 91 games in the shittiest division in history. Like... We shouldn't be looking at 2018 Indians and saying, oh, well, we subtracted a couple pieces and we changed a few things, but, like, they're not as good as 2018. Like, forget about 2018. You don't want to be as good as 2018. You needed to make some changes. You need to be different. And sometimes it clicks. Sometimes it doesn't. Last year it didn't. And you lost Andrew Miller. He didn't give you much last year at all. You lost – you might lose Cody Allen. He had a rough year. Like, I'm I'm not concerned with what they've lost the changes they made, I think we've said this, we're concerned with they haven't added impact guys that they need. But I'm not looking at 2018 and being like, how can we be slightly better? Or how can we, <laughs> how can we tweak that a little bit? Forget 2018. That year was a disaster, honestly. But like, what worked in 2016 and 2017 that you can replicate? Um, I think one thing is the aggressiveness on the bases. We heard Terry Francona talk about it. They're younger. They, they were the second oldest team in the major leagues behind Toronto last season. They've gotten a lot younger. Bowers is 22. He's built like a machine like Bradley Zimmer. They want to be more athletic. They want to be faster on the bases. They want to be 
you had Yonder Alonso and Edwin Encarnacion clogging up the bases yeah. last year. You won't have that now. And so, One of those guys went inside the park for a home run last year. Don't forget true. it. That's true. And he was still winded. People he forget was, that. He was still winded when we talked to him two hours later. Um, but, <laughs> I don't blame him. I was winded watching it. But it, it's – and I'm not here to say, like, oh, everything is fine and this team's going to win 98 games and they're going to win the World Series. No. Like, they're definitely – on paper right now, it looks like they're far behind the Yankees, Astros, and Red Sox. Definitely the Yankees and Red Sox, Astros probably too. But things can happen, and, and what you your roster, even if they would have made additions and people would be happy with the roster, that roster on January, whatever it is, is going to look so different than the roster in June, July, August, September. So things change, and, and I, I don't know. This is still the class of the AL Central. People, The Twins signed Nelson Cruz, and who else did they get? Oh, well, Jonathan I'm, Scope, I'm and it's look, like... I'm not looking at their transaction page right no, now. No, but I've got people who are like, oh, Twins are going to win the division by 10 games. It's like, what? I, how, this isn't how this works. I don't know. Let's talk about Trevor Bauer's social media. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, I, I would prefer Am to I crazy? do just about anything else. I'm not saying you should have 100% what? optimism and everything is perfect. Like They need to make additions, and it's pathetic if they don't reinvest some of the money or all of the money they've saved into the roster. You have three years left with Francisco Lindor and you're going to waste them. You have built this incredible rotation and it's going to go to waste. That said, there are parts of this roster that I like that I think can surprise people. I do like, I don't remember if we talked about this last week or not, but one of the... After we had lunch at Pearl? Yeah, at Pearl. Shout out to Gary who had delicious Kung Pao chicken and egg roll. At Pearl, got it spicy, said it was very tasty. One of the things that we didn't talk about a lot after the Encarnacion, Carlos Santana trade, and part of it is because you were still trying to get on your Wi-Fi and your flight, uh, is how it impacted things on the field. We talked about what it did uh, financially for them, creating wiggle room, spreading out the contract that they had went over two years essentially, saving them some money now uh, in the near future, those sorts of things. And then we looked at, you know, how Edwin and Santana can compare. And I still think overall those contributions might end up being a wash, maybe even more favorably for Santana. Even if you look at war last year, Santana had a better year as far as wins above replacement. All that said, the one thing we didn't talk about is how it impacted the rest of the roster and what they can now do, the flexibility that they've created at that DH position. You have Bowers who can shift to the outfield. He can play first base. You have Santana, who prefers not to DH. Tito even talked today about his ability to play the outfield, which I think we might see a little bit of that this year. I mean, Hal even played more third base with the Phillies, too. So he brings more versatility than you had with Edwin. When you had a roster that was Alonzo and Encarnacion at first base DH, there weren't a lot of other ways to, to move that around. Moving the roster and making the trades that they did They've now opened up, potentially, first base or DH to rotate guys. To, to sign Nelson Cruz. Sign somebody. And that's... Trade for Jose Martinez. It's, it's one area that I think, instead of... You know, we've been so focused on the outfield, and rightfully so, because it needs upgrading still. More proven guys would be very, very helpful. And having Bradley Zimmer back ahead of schedule would be very, very nice. And he feels like he's ahead of schedule. We'll see when he gets to spring training. 
But I would be looking at ways I could attack other ways, other parts of the roster and bring in offense no matter where I could get it, whether it's in the infield, at third base, second base, a DH type, a first base type. Guys that are undervalued because of the position that they play that you can bring in that aren't going to cost you a ton or guys that you can trade for. You mentioned Jose Martinez. I've, I've absolutely been all aboard that. I think Nick Castellanos, that still is has not reached a resolution in Detroit. That's a guy I would continue to harp and call and see what I could do to try to get a trade done. I think he would fit the roster tremendously. But moving the pieces the way that they did, it did create some opportunities to to look for guys that don't make as much but can still bring some offense to a part of the roster that there's no way you could have fit in before. They couldn't have taken on Jose Martinez in the past. Right. They couldn't have, probably not Nick Castellanos because he is dreadful in right field but when you can have him out there for a game a week and the rest of the time he's DHing, it just opens up for you can find some cheaper alternatives the question is are they going to take advantage right of you actually have to do it and that's seems like it's the tough part but isn't it crazy i mean for as much as we've talked about still needing to upgrade and right now it feels like it's a, it's a disaster based on the twitter mentions and i don't disagree right now you make two shrewd moves before the season or before the off season is over. Before you go into spring training, you add a bat and you add an arm in the bullpen. Have is this team really that dreadful? As dreadful as it seems. So here's the thing: the offense has been putrid the last two years in October. So if you go in with an offense that you don't think is quite as good, what's the difference? I'm not saying you. <laughs> I'm not saying you want to, but it's like it's, it's not like Jake Bowers could be any worse than. Edwin was in the playoffs the last two years. Edwin was terrible. I know he, like, snapped his ankle in half against the Yankees, but... Um, I can't watch that, but I don't know how the, he the way, played again in that series. Yeah. The way they're going to win is with their pitching. I mean, they, they obviously need some answers in the outfield. It's it's the landmine out there right now, or a f- field of landmines. What's the... What? What am I... Mine, minefield. Mine, minefield. Minecraft. Minecraft. <laughs> Minesweeper. You ever play that? <laughs> yes. And I just clicked the boxes. I had no idea what I was doing. No, you saw that meme too? But I really didn't know what I was doing. Okay. Um, but then I always died. Clicked the bomb. They... Didn't know what I did. The way they're going to get to where they want is, is pitching. And if, if they do end up keeping the rotation intact, and I don't know that that's the best method, but I also don't know exactly what they've been offered for Corey Kluber or Trevor Bauer... Probably less for Trevor Bauer now than maybe a few weeks ago, but um, they need the pitching to show up in October, and obviously before then they got to get to October. But like they need Kluber to pitch like Kluber when it matters. They need they need the bullpen to to be reliable. They need to figure out the proper strategy to how to set up your pitching to get through the ALDS. And and I think I think it's possible still. Like this team is still really good. I don't know. The rotation is still. Maybe the best in the is it the best in the league? I, I think it probably a, is. I, I Them don't think the there's anybody that's better. So in the American League, there are still strengths that can lead a team. We've seen worse teams make it to the playoffs. We've seen worse teams win the World Series. No, that's true. And that, I'm not saying you want to just settle. They, they, it, it's. I feel like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth. Like, if they don't do some things here in the next month, like we're gonna fucking skewer them. Like, they have. They've done a good job, like you said, creating flexibility, getting younger, saving some money, but that cannot be, those can't be your top priorities when you have some of the star power on this team, you're hosting an all-star game, you've had two consecutive postseason disappointments, you had a taste of the World Series, and you've got a chance here 
to, to, to win with these guys. Well, I don't want to speak out of school, but I'm seeing Roberto Perez pitch to eight-year-olds, so that might be in the cards. Josh Tomlin gave up a home run to one of these little kids last year at Tribe Fest. We yeah. should have known. And that kid, uh, Adam Rosales, actually made it around the bases faster than that kid did. But he still sped his way around. All of what you said is true about we've seen worse teams. We've seen the 2016 Indians come within a win, come within a breath of winning a World Series. This landscape in baseball is different, though. This is, this is not the same environment that we've seen teams. It's not to say it can't happen, but this, you're now looking at a super team environment where right. more than anything else you have the upper echelon and you have the bottom feeders, and both are just spreading further and further out. So, yes, you get that seat at the postseason table. Random variation can take over if you got hot at the right time. No, all those things, to rely on that. I know. All those things are still very much in play. But you're still looking at some teams that are really friggin' good compared sure. to in the past when maybe you could sneak by some teams. You, you are talking about really, really, really good teams. I mean, the Astros got their doors blown off by the Red Sox, and the Astros look like the best team in the world compared to the Indians in that series. You're talking about really good teams. You're talking about small samples, though. But it doesn't change the fact that those teams are really good. Like the Indians last year, for as much as we rail on them and say, you know, they could have been better, they could have hit better, you take those teams and compare it to uh, some other teams probably in different eras and different years, and if things line up properly, that team probably looks significantly better than some of the field did. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I just... I'm with you. Like, you don't want to rely on, hey, the playoffs are a crapshoot sometimes. That can't be your hope. They, they, they've got to make some more improvements. But I also, last year, it, it didn't work. It never felt right. It never, they, they never had that mojo. They never had anything going. And so they needed to make some changes and so that the fact that there's a different vibe and we walked into that clubhouse and it was a little weird i think that's good i had a lot of people who were like i tweeted that and they were they said this is sad like this is this is terrible like this is the worst this is like ruined my mood or something it actually is a good thing i think the players that were in there didn't it didn't feel like a somber atmosphere to me it was it was more along the lines of a lot of a few of the younger players that were in there created a I hate to use a cliche term but I can't think of any other way to phrase it other than just a bunch of young hungry guys I was going to say eager like, to prove themselves I, they, they should be hungrier and, and eager to take ownership of the clubhouse and it's not that they hated Brantley and they hated Gome that's, that's not what I'm saying it's just as a young player you come up you play under guys that are older that have been around a long time and then there comes a time when it's your, your turn it's your time to step up and we've seen Lindor kind of emerge we've seen Ramirez take on some leadership qualities at times I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes I, I don't know that it's going to go somewhere positive but I am interested and I agree with you there needed to be some sort of shakeup. you couldn't go in with the exact same equation as you've had in the, this, the past several years and expect things to change you had to shake things up a little bit and if that's creating more flexibility on the roster if that's changing your style a little bit or creating a bit of a different identity all of that it's, it's very very fair the other thing is you just got to perform better on the big stage you can't come away with jose ramirez failing to do anything in the playoffs right you can't you can't survive and any team could make that case if mookie Betts and uh jd martinez and 
Jackie Bradley Jr. If all those guys go cold in the playoffs for a series, well, guess what? They're going to freaking lose. That's what happens. You have, your star players have to play like stars when it matters. And when, it, when I look at what happened the past two years, the star players, when it was their time to shine, they didn't shine. Kenny Lofton and uh, Carlos Baerga are in the house. It's always good to see them. They were star players who shone, shined, shined, shone, shone, shone. Uh, and speaking of them, do you want to do a random Indian? I would love to do a random Why don't Indian. you pick one for me? All right, can you stall? Since you got... Uh, I was not prepared I, for this. I couldn't stump you with Sean Dunstan. I was not prepared. So, pick a year. Why don't you tell the fine people, while I'm searching for a random Indian of the day, of the random Indians you might see on the website. Can you get a little preview? Yeah, so of what you might see coming up this week in addition to some of our recaps of TribeFest? So I've been working on something for, what month? Six months now? I was not planning on it taking six months. The playoffs got in the way and then just some certain things timing-wise. But this week on The Athletic, we'll have a two-part series. I don't want to give too much away, but I will tease that it involves Omar Vizquel, Taylor Swift... <laughs> a former Indians pitcher twerking, Jim Tomey. And they all walk into a bar. Uh, Eddie Money. And, yeah, very, I think it'll be, it, it'll be, it's a fun read. Two parts. Um, that's all I want to say, I think. A good lesson in how you, you might start with an idea of a story. Yeah. And end up somewhere very, very, very far off. I will say, so the the genesis was I went to North Carolina to hang with Omar Vizquel for a day. He was managing at Winston-Salem, the White Sox high-A affiliate. And I was, I didn't really know what I was going to do. I was kind of planning on just a story on Omar. Just like, what is this 51-year-old doing managing 19-year-olds in Winston-Salem, North Carolina? And it I could have written that. I decided to go a different route over time. And the way you phrase that, you could either be talking about a veteran former player managing a minor league team or a guy at Hooters. Either way, it could be <laughs> that situation. Yeah. 51-year-old, 19-year-olds. Okay. It took, no, but it took a turn, and I ended up writing two stories I never would have imagined writing. But it All was right. a lot of fun. Former Indian. Okay. I don't know if I've ever guessed him to be the former Indian, but uh, always a, a favorite of mine. This former Indian was born August 23rd, 1964. Makes him 54 today. He was originally drafted by the Yankees in the 35th round of the 82 draft. Then he was later selected by the Angels in the 14th round of the 85 draft. He made his debut in 1990, June of 1990, and he made his debut with the Cleveland Indians. How long did he play for the Indians? Over his major league career, he spent parts of nine seasons in the majors. Non-consecutively, he spent parts of five years with the Indians. Jim Poole. It is not Jim Poole. Go like on. A, do I know what position he plays? Uh, he is a position player. Okay. Uh, 
And that's about the best way I can phrase it. Eddie Taubensy? It is not Eddie Taubensy. Uh, to my knowledge, he never caught. Uh, over his five years, non-consecutive years with the Indians, the most he spent with any organization, by the way, in the majors, played in 120 games over five years. That's it? Received 352 plate appearances and posted a career OPS with the Tribe of 709. He played with the Indians in 90, 91. Then he came back in 97 for a stint with the Indians, 98 with the Indians on two occasions. Jeff Branson. It is not Branson. Jeff Manto. It is Jeff Manto. Jeff Manto. I actually, what number did he wear? Throughout his career with the Indians. With the Indians. Uh, He had multiple with the Indians. 45, 44, 12, 26, 16. Okay. I saw. I don't remember what number the uniform was. I saw someone wearing a jersey, and the, the name was so small. Way smaller than it should have been. And at first, I thought it said Manto, and it ended up saying Naquin. Very disappointing. <laughs> but spent, we did see a lot of uh, good random jerseys today. Spent parts of nine seasons in the major leagues. Accumulated 822 career plate appearances over nine seasons. And smacked 31 career home runs. Isn't he? He's coaching now too i think i believe he is if i can do a quick search of wikipedia which is always spot on with all the information he was with the white Sox too uh he's a member of the international league hall of fame that's cool i'm looking for current this is just scintillating podcast. I'm sorry, material. man. You asked a question. I'm trying to give you the answer. After his playing career ended, he worked as an instructor and scout as well as manager for the minor league Lakewood Blue Claws. You know who played for them? Carlos he named, Carrasco. He was named the Pirates hitting coach in November 2005. Uh, Manto saw the future breakout of potential and then pirate Jose Bautista. Ah. According to Keith Olbermann. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Manto had said of Bautista, if we can get him to replicate his swing three days in a row, Jose Bautista could hit 25 home runs a year. In fact, I think he could hit 40. Whoa. So he was able to look into the future. Uh, I have a question for you. You know, there are Indians jerseys for sale at TriFest every year. They're old, like unused or used jerseys of players of yore. Some are $50, some are 100 I will read through this list. You tell me if you would pay $50 for this jersey. Why don't you just... Uh, I'll tell you the ones I wouldn't pay $50 for. It'd probably be quicker. Okay. Austin Adams. <laughs> Jeff Beliveau. Wait, do I actually have to tell you yeah. which of these I would pay? I'm, almost all of them. Or why don't you look at this list and pick your favorite favorites? I mean, uh, well, in helping you go through the rack, there were a couple that were uh, surprising. The one that stood out to me was because as you go through this list and you started Austin Adams, Jeff Bellavo. Well, let's start by Sean saying Armstrong, the most accomplished player on this list of like 30 players, Justin Sellers. Might be Abraham Almonte or Michael Martinez, Zach Walters, your favorite. I the the one that that stuck out to me is someone that could be helping them right now. Who's that? Plugging them into the bullpen right now. Sean Armstrong? No. Craig Stammen. Mm, Craig Stammen, oh yeah. 
Uh, I'll never forget J.B. Shuck. He was in the starting lineup as, remember that last week of 2014, they were trying to make a, a run at KC, I think. I think Detroit was winning the division maybe and KC the wild card. And like J.B. Shuck was in their lineup. I'm like, there's no chance here. Um, although J.B. Shuck is an Ohio State grad, so he can't be all bad. Uh, so uh, a weird... Elliot Johnson was a cool guy. He was... His jersey's for sale. He was the clubhouse DJ. Could... Yeah, sure. His playlists, which were fantastic. Yeah. This, is, uh, this is quite a list, though. It is quite a list. And I feel like this, uh, this spring they're going to have a lot of names, too, that those jerseys will be on the rack next year. Uh, Tribe Fest. Well, it looks like we're out of time, so we're not going to be able to talk about Trevor Bauer's social media usage. Uh, any final words, though, TJ? Um, Twitter isn't real life. Okay. You can listen to the podcast on Podbean and other assorted apps. <laughs> yeah. Anchor being one. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. All the us- usual places. And uh, thank you to anyone who said hello to us at Tribe Fest, said they like to listen to the podcast, follow along on The Athletic. We appreciate that. Um, and by the way, I know some have tweeted some suggestions of things they'd like to see on the podcast. We read all of those. And once the season starts, we anticipate doing some, some cool little features here and there uh, on this podcast to not always make it the same thing. So we hear you, and we will do our best to pick out some of those suggestions and and do something with it. Carl Willis is playing outfield in this little kid game. And he also might be playing outfield on opening day. Ba-doom. See ya.